this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Iowa. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome. Welcome. That is so rad. Welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program. We have a very big show with very big announcements. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I mean, it doesn't get more hype than Van Halen. It's great. I'm ready to go. I, I appreciated Holmes coming in on the vocals there. I really think it, it gave a rich harmony. Well, I appreciate your compliment. That's nice of you. I'm excited, as everyone should be, because we're about to make a very major announcement. Huge announcement. The first, the very first Ruthless Live, ladies and gentlemen, which we've talked about for many weeks, will be in Iowa, and it will be at the State Fair. Boom. Let's go. We were invited to the Iowa State Fair to participate and, and have a Ruthless Live event. And the people are hyped. Yeah. They have gone out of their way to make us feel comfortable, to make us feel like, like we're going to have the time of our lives, which we knew we were going to anyway because the people of Iowa are awesome. But I think we I think this is going to be just out of control. Yeah, it's going to be huge for for folks who may not know. I, the Iowa State Fair is, is a big deal. Very it's, big deal. It's a, where you might recall Ted Cruz saw the like butter cow. You always have like, you know, presidential contenders. All the big shots show up. This is this is a pretty big deal. I'm very excited for all of that. But I would say I am particularly hyped just to try all the fair food. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, but we're going to bring a ruthless mentality. Oh, absolutely. And, and this is not like a tourist. that We're going in. Going with in an agenda. Hard, hard, yes. Yeah. We're going to make it worth it. So I will say to this, for those of you who have been looking for some summer travel who have not made your plans yet, I think I've got an idea. Oh, I, yes. I think everybody who's looking for something to do in mid-August has an obligation August 17 and 18 to come to the Iowa State Fair Let's wear some gear. Let's get our let's get our ruthless gear on, and let's make our presence known. <laughs> Got to send a message. Yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be huge, and finally, ruthless live is happening. Ah, oh, it's so good. It's so good. So uh, on the on the uh, gear front, Duncan. Um, I know you've been wrestling with the bikini. Yes. Yeah. I mean. So Mira, uh, who uh, oh, shout out Mira. Mira requested the bikini, has informed me uh, that she's cool with you know uh, just doing a, a, a beach towel. She instead. bailed on the hard demand. Well, I, just, no, I I think she was half kidding, uh, and I think what we're gonna do is put out the beach towel, see if people like it, and maybe we'll revisit some other summer gear at some point. Yeah. But, I, I, you need the beach towel. Shout got, out, the gear is how you get summer ready. Shout out to Mira. Twitter is uh, Millennial Other. 
Yeah. Well, okay. All right. I've seen the the mock-up you had on the beach towel. I'm going to get like a hundred of them because my whole family needs them and they're just going to be, I mean, they're, they actually look incredible. Yeah. It's, it's a good look. It's a real message sender on the beach that you're here to party. <laughs> Pretty um, much. So yeah, just go to store.ruthlesspodcast.com. Check out the beach towel. If you're going to be, you know, out there party in the summer. And speaking of, uh, discussions happening on Twitter, there is a, there's a huge battle a debate going on of the Dem or Journal theme song that we have. Some oh, yeah. folks like the old version, some folks like the new version. Yeah, it was even put to a test. I think we've even put a poll out there. Uh, I got to tell you, the, the original was standing strong. Yeah, people like the OG. I think they like that it's gritty, you know, that we, yeah. re- we recorded it on like one USB mic, <laughs> you know, like a month ago or two months ago or whatever before we had the studio. So people appreciate that. Yeah. So they sort of like the old school vibe. And the two stands is too long. It's just that it's too long. Like it gets awkwardly long. <laughs> uh, I think people appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I mean, here, look, I think the new one sounds better. Obviously people appreciate the style of the old one. I would, I would think maybe we could work out a compromise. Maybe we re-record the original on these wonderful mics we have now. Well, Joey Brackett at Fox News weighed in on this. Oh, he did? Yeah. And you know how much we appreciate his— Shout uh, out Joseph Wolfson. Yeah, yeah, his interest in the program. Uh, a tremendous journalist who we read everything he writes. He put on the twits that the original belongs to a game show. The new one belongs to a funeral. Ooh. That's a hard Mm-mm. take. That's somebody whose opinion we listen to. Yeah. Well, we, we, we started— you know, giving him the nickname Joey Brackets because of his wonderful, wonderful coverage of uh, Hack Madness, the mm-hmm. liberal hack tournament. The guy was just like on top of yep. it. Incredible coverage. Incredible content. It's a it's a pipe dream of mine next year for the Brackets to have him on a panel. Yeah. Where we can sort of get him to play the role of the bracketologist. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Well, that'd be great. That would that'd be, be so awesome. good. I'd love to do that. But anyway, he's waiting hard here. Um, Well, I mean, you know, let's. Let's see. Let's see where it goes. We're not, where when, it goes. You, when is the poll close out? I think it closes out today, actually. Huh. Yesterday. Okay. Yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday. When you're, when, you're, when you're listening to this, it will be, be closed. All right. So here, the last piece, the last piece of internal business to cover is a very big guest. We have the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, with us today. I mean, we are really on fire when it comes to guests. Yeah, I mean, she's great. She's so, you know, the best part about Rana, and I've gotten to know her a little bit over the years, is she's just such a charming person. She's so upbeat, positive, funny, funny as hell, actually. Way, way better sense of humor than I think most people give her credit for because she's always got such a tough job. She's got to go out and sort of like take the knife to everybody on a daily basis. You right. never see that light side. Yeah. You got the light side today, folks. She brought the heat, she's fantastic. Everybody's really going to enjoy. Yeah, I'm curious to hear that one. We got a heck of an opportunity going in. We need to make sure every Republican is activated. We right. take back the House. We take back the Senate. That's right. That's right. So I saw this thing, and it reminded me of one of the segments that we did early on in the program. Do you remember when we did the, the segment about instead of giving everybody $2,000, giving like one person $1 trillion? I remember. Yeah, like, <laughs> a, great a, like a Brewster's Million situation. <laughs> great take. Yeah, which you got to spend it. Yeah, it was a great take. Yeah. So this dude in Louisiana, they, they have $50 billion accidentally deposited 
uh, into his bank account, <laughs> which is incredible. And the thing is, so so what I don't get is, how how did anyone find out? Because me personally, I'm gone. It was there for four gone. days. Gone for four days. <laughs> yeah. That money's gone. Yeah, I'm gone. Let it, me read the. Let me read because this is hard to sort of understand how this had happened. But the New York Post reports that a Louisiana family had fifty billion dollars accidentally deposited into their bank account, making them the twenty fifth richest people on earth. Wow. For less than four days, Baton Rouge real estate agent. Darren James told Fox uh, how he came home earlier this month shocked and he held up their bank balance sheet saying, look at this. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm serious. Like, how, how, how does that happen? How does how does not not the money being deposited, but how does anyone find out? Because that happens to me. Right. I'm number one. I'm booking a flight out. Oh, yeah. We're going to a place that doesn't extradite. <laughs> You're doing the full McAfee? We're moving money. Are you I mean, doing the we're going. We're, we're we're getting a lot of crypto. R.I.P. R.I.P. McAfee. You know, I'd, I'd I'd put a lot of that in crypto. You would never find me again. Period. <laughs> I you know my phone numbers changed. All of that. I, never again am I heard from. Fifty billion dollars, gone. I mean, I'm gone. This is what you get a democratic government. You start throwing billions around, right. and next thing you know, like these people are having to show up in their bank account. Now, what what happens? I mean. Look, I'm kind of with you on the move quickly thing, if that shows up. Because 50 bill, like, there's always the number, right? It's like, what's the number that it takes for you to just cut and go? It's a lot less than 50 It's billion. a lot less than 50 billion. <laughs> 50, bill, 50 billion? It's the 25, 25th richest person on the planet. I mean, it, it'd have to be up there because, like, you know, for me to cut and run, it's, it's going to be like, you know, warlord lifestyle. Like you, you got to cut off all ties. You can't trust anybody. I'd have like a, you know, hey, maybe that's an idea. I'd, I'd, I'd go somewhere in Africa, get like a, a little army, a militia put together to make sure no one ever comes for me. <laughs> well, see what kind of adventures I could have on $50 billion. But so to me, this seems like it's clear hacking stuff, right? Like nobody's talking about that. But I saw that there was also a Florida woman who also had like a billion dollars in her Chase account. Mm. When she went to an ATM, yeah, that's so. The New York Post article says that this is as many as you know. The guy James said he heard as many as 150 other people across the U.S. had mystery deposits into their accounts at the same time. And like you mentioned, it was a Florida woman, uh, Julia Largo, uh, recently revealed how she found nearly one billion in her Chase account. Right? What? I mean, yeah. so I, I don't get how, how how these folks aren't just aren't just disappearing it makes no sense to me well that's it's i mean oh so so this is it so i actually did read read the article so both of them were apparently at, with chase bank and then chase bank tells fox that the issue with the balance has been resolved uh quote we had a technical glitch over a week impacting a limited number of accounts the issue has been resolved and those accounts are now showing accurate balances Four days, imagine, four days dude a technical glitch that shifted 51 billion dollars worth of wealth amazing yeah i mean that's the thing is if it's a technical glitch i don't feel bad it's not like you know some charity accidentally deposited 50 billion oh no you know that's one thing but if it's a bank technical glitch hey man hey man my fault yeah. bank it's your job to do to well, know what like, you're doing bank it's like monopoly right bank error in your favor yeah <laughs> that's the way it works on monopoly totally. totally yeah i'd be i'd be i'd be rolling with that i love it all right so um let's go into the the we talk a lot about libs in the corona 
mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. I saw this because we talked about it on Tuesday, and and it just caught my eye. Los Angeles is bringing back mandatory masks over the Delta variant. Which is incredible. <laughs> is it Delta Plus though? I, who knows? Delta Comfort they got, Plus hasn't got Comfort out Select. There. Yeah. I thought it was Delta Comfort Select. Yeah. They <laughs> gotta pick. They gotta find out which 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 it is. So from what I'm seeing is, uh, again, you know. The vast majority of folks who suffer extremely adverse effects from COVID are the elderly, people who have, you know, health issues, stuff like that. Uh, it's just wild how lives just want to cling to this thing of like, we have to keep all the kids masked. We have to keep everyone masked. It doesn't matter who's vaccinated, who isn't. There's now a Delta variant. And like, I've seen now studies have come out saying that like, uh, you know, the Moderna, the Pfizer, all the various vaccines uh the the u.s ones i don't know about like you know the shady one that china's got yeah the russian one yeah Yeah. but like the ones that are available in the states have shown to be effective in in in, uh protecting people against new delta comfort plus so right yeah they still but la back to uh, at the end of the day it's all just about control with these liberals right i mean like they prefer as we've said on the program many times holmes has been beating this drum they prefer life this way this is it you know we'll tell you when you can open your business we'll tell you how you can do business we'll tell you how you can hire people and you know what if all else fails we'll tell you to stay home and we'll send you a check yeah reopening is a real inconvenience yeah for these people right like they figured out in in about july and august of 2020 they were about in the perfect place right because they removed this sort of clinical anxiety from the american people that we had in march and april but you were still under lockdown, no businesses were open, and they were still like able to basically sit in front of the American people and, and, and say, we'll send you a check. We'll send you a check. Don't do anything. Don't move. We'll send you a check. Right. That's how they view America. That's how they want America to work. It's not like – I'm not being hyperbolic. This is exactly the way that they want things to go. They don't want – I mean, you, you listen to them talking about breaking up companies, all this antitrust stuff and everything else. Like, they don't want – they just don't want private enterprise in America. That's that's the bottom line. And right. you see what's happening is, like, uh, you know, they want to keep sending out taxpayer money in the form of checks. They want to keep businesses closed. And – now you're having these businesses who are trying to survive after a pandemic, trying to hire people, and they're like, well, uh, no one's going to work because they, they can get a check. That's for more than, than, a, than a wage. This is causing huge problems. You see the states that have Republican governors who, who get rid of this like supplemental unemployment when, when, when folks can get a job, and you see unemployment goes down the state. People yeah. get back to work. Yeah, we covered the Life stats. begins yeah. returning. Yeah. You know, Nature actually starts healing. As opposed to like you see in New York City, where unemployment rate is like twice the national average. What a disaster! That's it's exactly as they planned. What a disaster! Before we get to the New York thing, because I got a lot to say about New York. Everybody mm. knows what's happening with this disastrous election, which we have a lot to say about. But I, I do want to also just mention: Did you guys see Granholm? You know, like Foldy's been doing a number on Granholm. Yeah, with the Proterra stuff. Yeah. yeah, but but did you see what she said about the condo collapse? No. Oh, good. So she says she says uh, that the con. Obviously, we don't know fully. This is the quote I'm quoting. Obviously, we don't know fully, but we do know that the seas are rising, and we do know that losing inches and inches of beaches, not just in Florida but all around, 
And she couldn't, she couldn't, I'm stopping the quote, she couldn't rule out climate change as the reason for the condo collapse in Florida. So, like, these uh, people, these people are insane. The climate change is basically Godzilla to these people. But it's like, is that it's going to just show up, kill you, knock down buildings? Well, it's a religion, is honestly, was what it is. Like, like, honestly, environmentalism is a religion to, to these people. Right. They've replaced actual religion with a climate change religion. So, uh, originally, after the collapse, a lot of people in the media and, and Democratic Party were immediately blaming DeSantis. Right? That's become very common. Yeah. That seems like a regular play. Yeah, that's that is real quick. They had to try to find a way to lay it at his feet. You know, and I, re- I remember there was something about um, a, a deregulation bill that he had passed. And they were like, oh, oh, we got you red handed because all of these people at their hearts are complete fucking ghouls. Yeah. Yep. And they don't give a shit about the truth. Nope. And they want to blame everything on Republicans, even if that means, you know, waving the bloody flag over a bunch of dead Americans. They don't care. Um, But of course, I mean, that bill was about like licensing reform. It had nothing to do with with these building codes or anything like that. But none none of that matters. Right. So like uh, they're going after DeSantis because they're like, oh, he had a deregulation thon, you know, where he, he, he passed this like deregulation, which targeted occupational licensing which is like okay you know you don't have to go to the state and get a license if you want to like paint nails know, paint nails right 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 and this but building like, was like in like built in the 80s that's the thing is <laughs> this building is built like 30 years before DeSantis yes. is in office the the deregulation has nothing to do with buildings whatsoever yet you see they turn this into oh DeSantis death Santis strikes again dude it, they pulled the same shit at the beginning of corona you remember when they were like oh Republicans, uh, you know, cut the CDC budget, which oh, yeah, was absolute bullshit. Insane. Totally. It was actually it was actually the Obama sequester. Yeah, that did it. And and they, they the way that they could justify saying Republicans is because Republicans were advocating for spending cuts. Yes. Right. As part of the sequester. As part. As, well, no, as part of the deal the that deal, included right. the sequester. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Right. Because right. Democrats obviously just wanted to spend money. They wanted to raise the debt ceiling. Republicans wanted to cut some spending, and so it's like, well, Republicans, Republicans, uh, they defunded the CDC. I mean, it's just so dishonest. It's just so dishonest. Ugh. Anyway, all right, let's let's get to New York. Yes. So, for starters, I saw this thing before we get to the election about how there are thousands of homeless New Yorkers that are now being moved out of city hotels. I didn't know that they were in city hotels. Yeah, this has been a huge problem. Huge problem in New York City where, uh, like, especially the Upper West Side has been hit hard. I know a ton of folks who, uh, you know, it's one thing to try and help the homeless. It's another to have folks who have significant mental issues. What, are they just throwing them up in the wall? They just just put them up in a hotel. And then during the day, these folks are out on the streets. They're assaulting people. I mean, there are multiple, multiple cases of people being attacked. Well, you're, they're out like walking the dog. Some elderly person is out walking the dog, and you've got a person who has had significant mental issues. And and th- th- this is another issue about liberals is, is their attempt to be well-meaning is so twisted. They're like not not worried about getting this guy treatment for mental health. They're like, no, you just put him in a hotel, problem solved. Meanwhile, you know, this is someone who's out attacking folks, going and, you know, living their lives <laughs> normal day, and all of a sudden someone who de Blasio put in a hotel comes out and attacks you. And thousands, like 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 the number they just said. Uh, Imagine just not dealing with the the issue of homelessness. 
right? You're like, oh, I got, I got an idea. Yeah. Nobody's traveling. Our city is actually becoming bankrupt because of our ridiculous quarantine rules. So I think we should put the people who don't have any jobs in the hotels and then like exacerbate the problem and make it worse. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of goes back to what we'd mentioned in the previous episode about San Francisco spending like 60000 per homeless person in a tent, you know, providing care, not trying to solve the issue here. They're just like, let's throw taxpayer money at it. That's always their that's always their 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 attempt. Amazing. But that's not that's the least of their problems right now. Yeah. New York is a mess. So the mayor's race. I mean, what a just a perfect just desserts. This whole thing is the New York mayor's race in chaos. I'm going to read a New York Times headline, which I just I mm-hmm. feel like there's so much gratification that I take in this. It's incredible. New York mayor's race in chaos after elections board counts 135,000 test ballots. <laughs> so what happened here, like basically what happened is liberals for, you know, we've been talking about it a lot on the program have tried to figure out every which way you can, you can rig elections, right? They yeah. want to vote early. They don't want election day to be the day. They want to vote by mail. They want to vote a uh, hundred ways from Sunday but they just want to vote in a whole bunch of different ways. And then the, the, the one thing that is a constant is that they want to make sure that you're not actually finding a result on Election Day. And there's never, ever a better example of that than New York, where they have this ranked choice thing that they try to do in Susan Collins with in Maine and failed, where basically if a, if a candidate doesn't meet the, the majority threshold, they ask for your second choice. Right. And then they average it in at the end and then they and then they they project out a winner, which is like this is the most ridiculous Rube Goldberg machine. Like, just fucking vote. Yeah. Right. Just vote. Like, I don't understand why. Why are we screwing around with democracy to the point where we have to, like, manipulate it to a point where we're like, well, if you didn't like this person, you didn't like that. And the reason is, is because Democrats didn't like the fact that they have a progressive left. Right. That doesn't appreciate neoliberalism. Yeah. That doesn't appreciate rank and file establishment democratic corporate bullshit. And that's okay. You know, that's fine. But that's their cross to bear. So instead of actually trying to accommodate those voters, what they did is rig the election system where they can make liberals who are like, you know, they generally have a socialist worldview vote twice. Yeah. Right? You can vote for right. the person you actually want. And then if they when they lose when they lose. You can actually slot in your second choice. So I, I want to read exactly the breakdown <laughs> that they have here. <clears throat> it says the New York City mayor's race plunged into chaos on Tuesday night when the city board of elections released a new tally of votes in the Democratic mayoral primary and then removed the tabulations from its website after citing a quote discrepancy. The results released earlier in the day had suggested that the race between Eric Adams and his two closest rivals had tightened significantly. But just a few hours after releasing the preliminary results, the elections board issued a cryptic tweet revealing a, quote, discrepancy in the report, saying that it was working with its, quote, technical staff to identify where the discrepancy occurred. And then by Tuesday evening, the tabulations had been taken down, replaced by a new advisory that the ranked choice results would be available, quote, starting on June 30th. Then, then around 1030, the board finally released a statement explaining that had failed to remove sample ballot images used to test its ranked vote, ranked choice voting software. 
When the board ran the program, it counted quote, both test and election night results, producing approximately 135,000 additional records, quote, statement said. The ranked choice numbers, it said, would be tabulated again. This, I mean, talk about undermining Dude, in this election faith was, in elections. Like, this election was over a week ago. I know, like, that's, that's the, the thing. The, that's the thing. It's like the election was like eight days ago. And they're still fucking it up. Well, and they already had this guy, Eric Adams, had an insurmountable lead. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden now it was like, I mean, when they posted those results, it was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to lose. Right. And they're like, oh, wait, no, no, there's 135,000 extra votes. What? Here, yeah. And here, here's a great thing. This is a tweet from your, your friend, Holmes, Chris Hayes, guy who oh. always shows up in your replies. Trying Love to be that guy. Angry guy in your replies. He said, uh... Quote, something to consider is that the corrosive big lie conspiracy theorizing and delegitimization of elections that Trump and the GOP have unleashed won't necessarily just stay contained to them. I mean, yes, yeah, I saw There you this. go. So I, I saw The media is blaming Trump for this. It's right. Yeah. It's Donald, <laughs> Donald Trump did this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are the same people who questioned the legitimacy of the 2016 election, said the election was hacked. Yeah, Pelosi said, said Trump straight won. up the election right. was hijacked. W- was hijacked, that, he, that Trump was an illegitimate president. These are the same people who ran the worst Iowa caucus in history yes. so poorly that they may never do it again. The Democratic Party has a history of incompetence that's undermined, you know, the legitimacy of elections. And then let's it's like what they do. And you can keep going. In 2000, they say the election was stolen. They, right. they still, this is over 20 years these people in, are still in saying it. In 04, they said it was stolen. In 08, it, it was legit. Oh, in yeah. 12, it was legit. In 16, it was stolen. In 20... It was legit. Right. It's funny. It's funny, that pattern, right? Yeah. Oh. yeah. oh, it's crazy. And then they show up with stuff like this. Yeah, time-traveling Donald Trump undermined elections 20 years ago. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's just, but they're so bad at it. And, and the bottom line to me is we do have a problem with faith in elections. Yep. But part of the reason why we have a problem with faith in elections is because these guys have tried to figure out every which way you can cast an election. Right. Without just showing up on election day and fucking voting. Yes. Like, are you kidding me? How about we just, you know, I got an idea. I got an idea. You remember in Iraq, in Baghdad, when we purple thumbed that thing? Yep. Like back back when they had the first elections in Iraq yeah. and every single person walked in and dipped their thumb in ink yeah. and voted on election day? Let's do that again. Done. Uh, Let's I, do it in America. Also, I'd imagine. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great. If your thumb's purple, you voted. Yeah. Right? I got it. Now we're all set. I don't, it, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're a Republican or if you're a Democrat. I just know that if you have a purple thumb, you voted. I, I imagine it's a little bit more difficult, too, when you're, like, in Iraq or Afghanistan going to vote than here in the U.S. where, like, Uber and, like, these companies are like, we'll drive you to the poll site for free. You know? It's just, right. like. Let's have an election where we voted at a voting booth. But what if you don't have a candidate that can provide you with a bottle of water, Smug? That yeah, is that's, the question. That's well, so, so, and, 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 and this, is, this is something I want to say in all of this is these are incompetent people running this, this election. Yeah. I have no proof that anything nefarious was going on. They're but, too dumb to be but, nefarious. But, but here, here's what I would say. Um, if New York was a Republican State, oh, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be this would be Jim Crow 2.0. Oh, yeah. And, and, and how smart how smart does Georgia look right now that they've you know passed this election reform bill where they're providing some integrity in the system, some oversight in the system where voters have confidence in the election? A hundred percent. And we've spent the last four months calling that Jim Crow. And this is just normal. 
It's eight days since the this election, the way they and operate. we have no clue who won the mayor's race in the largest city in America. But because the last election was won by Democrats, none of the Democrats want to crush, question nope. the legit. They're Doesn't like, okay, matter. no, it'll work. We'll work it. It'll work it. Way it not always does, right? Because it's four years removed or five years now removed from the from the last time they lost. Absurd. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's absurd. Just incredible. All right, all right, all right. We've got um, an update on the Republican defunding. Of the police. Ah, oh, yes. This is the big lie, folks. They have come out and they're trying to say, actually, it was Republicans who who, who wanted to defund the police. <laughs> like this is beyond gaslighting. I love it so much. There was a, there was a, um, and again, this is in New York. It, it it fits into the like sort of summer of violence, summer of violence thematic that you've been dealing with. There was a man busted for swinging an axe during a dispute on a Manhattan train. Jesus. I mean, first of all, this, this, swinging an axe is a pretty aggressive play. How do you get through the turnstile with an axe? <laughs> like, mean, nobody weird, says anything? The weird thing is if you're unfortunate enough to take the train, like, anyone can do anything and no one looks. <laughs> just like, lawless? You, have, you can have someone in there just, like, set themselves on fire and no one blinks. But, just, everyone's just, like, looking down at their phone as the train goes on. <laughs> totally. So enter Dana Milbank, the world's worst fucking columnist in America. <laughs> This guy is a he is a three alarm four alarm fire piece of shit. I I don't think I've ever set a gaze on somebody who is more dishonest and ridiculous and partisan who can be employed yeah. in America and and proud proud to be dishonest on purpose. Yeah, so he can be smarmy and smug and get backpats at the cocktail circuit. Oh, Completely. that's what they love. I mean, complete complete horseshit columnist. I mean, this is the same guy who said Mitch McConnell is a Russian asset. No, it, Russian asset was the name of the t the title. The title of of the, the of the thing. Right. And it was all just bullshit because everything that ultimately he was accusing him of being a Russian asset for was was the election shit that Democrats are uh -huh. trying to put through now. Uh-huh. Mind you, that that they said that Russia was going to steal the 2020 election and be Mitch McConnell's fault. If we didn't pass this Democratic the bill. The same thing we're talking about, S1, HR1. Right, and we didn't pass it. And then on Election Day, they say, most secure and fair election in history. Yeah. Like, they didn't say for the past nine months, if we don't pass this bill, it's going to be stolen by Russia for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. So this human fucking dumpster takes to the, uh, takes to the, the opinion pages again. And I'm just going to read you the, the name. This is something... If he's trolling, congratulations, it worked. I took the bait. Even the squad is more pro-police than these Republicans. <laughs> the, the people who say that policing in America is, is you know, systematically uh, racist and must be disassembled, abolished, are more pro-police. Think about that. Yeah, Ilhan Omar tweeted straight up, like, abolish police. Yes. And the New York Times, you could read their paper, and it was like, "Yes, we mean abolish the police." Like, yeah, no, I mean, look, on ruthless, we don't pull our punches. No, sir. Right? We're gonna tell you like it is. This guy should be sent to Gitmo. <laughs> this guy is the worst, dude. It's, it, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that Dana Milbank and Jen Rubin are in some sort of competition to get more RTs from Ron Klain. Like, it, it's like, I mean, their offices are what? Like a, like a couple miles away from each other? And it's like they're on their own private Slack group 
you know, sharing brainworm takes. It's absurd. I mean, like, who is the audience for this? I don't know. I don't know. But like, we have fun here. That guy has no fun. None. Everything is just is this like diatribe about the impossible upside downness of his interpretation of basically everything that happens in America. And now he's he is straight faced in the pages of the Washington Post accusing Republicans of being the ones that are defunding police. That is the most amazing thing. The squad, the squad, Elon Omar. That's the thing is we, we, we warn folks about this, that like uh, polling shows Americans want more police out on the streets, especially in this like national crime wave that we're experiencing. And I think, you know, the Dems finally saw the writing on the wall and they're like, oh, no. Like, we're already weighed down. Our side clearly was saying defund the police for yeah. over a year. Uh, let's just let's just say, actually, Republicans said defund the police, and I bet the journals are dumb enough to run with it, and mission well, accomplished. Well, so so let's let's see what, what Jen Psaki says uh, mm. about how, how Republicans are defunding the police. Yeah, let's take let's a look at that. Let's play that clip. There are lots of examples of Democrats explicitly saying they want to defund the police. We've got... Congresswoman Cory Bush, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar. Are there any examples of Republican members of Congress saying they want to defund the police? I think most people would argue that actions are more important than words, wouldn't you say? I mean, that's the most insane thing I've heard in a long time. It's did, insane. Did we, we hear just, any name? Did, did, no, did she no. Name, get name a name? No, 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 no name. No, no name. And, and mind you, people like Jen Psaki and people like Dana Milbank, have, told, have lectured us for years about the misinformation out there on the internet mm -hmm. and demanding that these you know social media platforms crack down on Republican misinformation. There is nothing that, that, they, that this woman has said or Dana Milbank has said that would pass any muster from any fact check that, they're, that they want to put on Republicans. No, it's QAnon level insanity. Insanity. You know, I mean, they, they make a big deal about sort of a Republican, they, they, what they call a Republican alternative universe. That's a, a alternative universe. What yes. we're talking about here, when you have city councils run exclusively by Democrats across this country for generations who are now voting unanimously to defund the police and then to turn around and say, no, it's Republicans. Yeah. Was it was it Minnesota? Oakland? In, was it Minneapolis? No, just find me one, find no. me one Republican. They, nope. find me, I, I just Democrats. want one. A single, a, just Saki, Milbank, the rest of you assholes. Come up with a single Republican anywhere in the country who is suggested that you defund the police. Just one. That's all I ask. I mean, that's their problem. They Like, right there, she can't name a name. But on the record, we have seen Minneapolis City Council voted to defund Oakland voted to defund. And what's happening there? Crime is skyrocketing. This is on the Dems. They know it stinks, and they're just trying to blame blame Republicans. That's their only playbook that they have. And, you know, here, here's another example is she was like, oh, you know, this administration is so proud. We're very pro-police. When, when Kamala's running, she encourages, uh, she tweets out, she encourages her folks to contribute to this Minnesota Freedom Fund. Oh, dude. Right? I, do, when there are riots going on. So I've got, I got a personal story. You know, I'm from Minnesota. I got, there's a police officer, Zach, you know who you are, uh, who sent me a note months ago about how this Freedom Fund that Kamala was promoting to give money to to bail out protesters, basically, had, had bailed out a murderer. Yes. Who murdered 
Yes. After they were bailed out. Dude, they they, they bailed out um, people accused of assault, people with weapons charges, drug charges, you know, rioting offenses, like multiple times. Yeah. And and Glenn Kessler puts up this fact check saying, well, Joe Biden doesn't want to defund the police. All these Republicans are wrong. And they put in that story, and I got to read it, there is no evidence that they, they being the criminals that this Minnesota bail fund yep. bailed out, there is no evidence that they committed additional crimes after being released. That's in his fact check. Well, I mean, it's and a, that's not true. That's I, I'm insane. telling you that, like, I've and I'll, I'll provide the link. We'll tweet it out. Uh, there is a there was a murder charge that was associated not long after that. But then this week, there's this guy named Lionel Timms who was accused of another serious assault after he was bailed out. Dude, and the first charge was assault. The yeah. first charge was assault. It's not like he was picked up because. You know, he was in a protest and he was the wrong place, wrong time, you know, slap on the wrist and yeah, we're right. going to bail you out. No, Lionel Timms was bailed out by the Minnesota Freedom Fund after an assault charge in July. And then in August, he's arrested again for felony assault. And you know what? The victim has traumatic brain injury. Right. And, so, and that's good a, work, Kamala. That's the thing is. So so in 2018, the Minnesota Freedom Fund tax filing shows it only raised 100000 that year after Kamala and, you know, Hollywood. All tweet out, oh, give give to this fund. They raised thirty five million dollars. Yeah, multiple that's... multiple Biden campaign staffers donated yes. to this thing. At least thirteen. At least thirteen Biden staff members. And, and now those people, Jen Psaki is going to sit there from the podium, in her government capacity, and say, actually, you know what? We're pro police. It's these Republicans that are against the police absurd yeah she can't name any republicans who are who are uh defund the police but she should name the staff members who donated to the freedom fund Do 100%. That. have some courage 100%. have some integrity and i'll say just to put a point of clarification i'm not sure that Milbank deserves gitmo i think he actually deserves to come with us to des moines <laughs> i think he should see americans i think he should actually experience what it's like to be in a real American city amongst real Americans, amongst how people think, how people go about providing for their families, protecting their own, taking care of their neighbors, dealing with the actual problems of America rather than living in this fucking liberal swamp that just pollutes the minds of these progressive coastal liberals. Well, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, so uh, there was this instance that happened. This is not The Onion. Armed robbers held up news crew as they interviewed Oakland's chief of violence prevention. Okay, this was in the SF Chronicle. It said two armed robbers held up a television news crew that was interviewing Oakland's director of violence prevention outside City Hall. Well, we okay. covered this. Like, so we covered this on Tuesday. This is this is the thing is these were, you know, you, you get these takes from from these journals being like, oh, last year they were saying defund the police is actually OK. You know, they were trying to launder that talking point this year. They're trying to push. Actually, it was Republicans who, who, who wanted to defund the police. They they have never been out in the public. They've never had to yeah. deal. They're not in, from the communities that have to deal with this crime wave. They're not dealing with a crime wave. You know, th th there were all these journals when there were the riots that were going on in Portland who were like, hey, looks great from this restaurant. There's no riots. OK, dude, there there was a live shot on CNN that was that was about a fiery but mostly peaceful protest mm -hmm. with a building on fire literally in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's like, right that is how dishonest they are. I forgot. Don't it. believe your lion eyes. But, but like as we talked about on Tuesday, Oakland successfully defunded its police department. Like yeah. they celebrated it a week and a half ago. And now you got news crews 
who are covering the director of violence prevention yeah. being assaulted. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, but, like, but they on. wish uh, they'd fund some more police. Probably a good idea. Probably a good idea. Should we play some games? Let's play some games. All right. We have King of the Hill. Well, there's an the interesting program. new subtext here. Yes. Yes, there is. So uh, there was an appeal before the judge and jury. Last week's matchup was extremely close. Yes. Probably our closest ever. Many people are saying. Many people. So Holmes uh, made an appeal to bring Jen Rubin back on. And typically, this sort of appeal would be denied by judge and jury. Right. Because we have a one-week cooling off period for the loser. However, uh, this appeal uh, will be successful under one condition, and that is a pretty serious condition. Mm -hmm. If you want to bring Jen Rubin back on for King of the Hill, and she loses, it's the death penalty. <laughs> I think she's permanently gone. Permanently gone because... You know, if, if if you bring her on twice and she loses again, I think you got to take that arrow out of the quiver. That's that's fair. It's it's high stakes, high stakes, high, risk, high stakes. High reward. If you so if you accept that as the as the precondition, I will let you bring Jen Rubin. Back well, on. let me just let me just say, I believe, and I think a lot of the minions agree that Jennifer Rubin is held to a higher standard than your average King of the Hill participant. I think she's so fucking crazy. It is, it is fair. It's kind of like uh, Shaquille O'Neal when he was in the NBA. You know, I remember Hack-A-Shack, which yeah. is like he get the ball on the inside in the paint, and he goes up to dunk it or to lay it in or whatever, and he, you know, he takes what would otherwise be considered a lot of fouls that don't get called because he's such a big guy. There's Maybe there's a little bit of that at play. Yep. I will grant you that, which is, which is one of the reasons why I'm accepting this appeal. But I think it has to come with a cost. Yeah, I think I'm willing to deal with it. Yeah, I was seeing a lot of tweets from Minions being like, "Hey, man, Jen Rubin is is really going in this week." Okay, I think I'm willing to deal with it. I think there's, I mean, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot to work with. So okay. current, what he's current two time? Is it two time champ? Tom Nichols, Radio Free Tom. Yeah, Radio Expert Free of Tom. Experts. So we got Radio Free Tom, and we've got Jen Rubin. Yep. I think we should go ringside. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Welcome back to King of the Hill, brought to you by the Ruthless Variety Program. It's time for our main event in the red corner. Of hiding out of the Washington Post, standing five feet four inches tall, a former champion and current hack madness queen, Jennifer Brain Worms Rubin. And now, in the blue corner, Hiding out of the Harvard Extension Campus, standing five feet nine inches tall, a Tom Radio Free Nichols. And we are back, ready for King of the Hill. I'm I'm excited. 
Radio Free Tom. It's not high stakes. This is the as high stakes as we've ever had it. Yeah, that's why. I, I mean, he brought a lot of of brainworm takes. He brought his usual shenanigans, and I'm ready. I'm ready. I've got I've got like a dozen to choose from. All right. Well, Smug has to go first in round one. So let's hear it. Okay. This is a hell of a take. From June 27th, Radio Free Tom quote. Uh, this is uh, referencing a, a Wall Street Journal uh, article talking about how rioters attacked a courthouse, uh, targeting you know federal buildings. Uh, this is the take from Tom Nichols quote. But they attacked a government building with violence, and that's terrorism. He says. Okay, you win. Every riot where government property is attacked is terrorism. Congratulations, you've made the case for rounding up everyone in BLM as a terrorist organization. Number one, okay. Number two, <laughs> downplaying oh. Antifa. Right? I was like, interesting. I thought for sure he was going January 6th on that. Yeah, but that's the thing. is He was like, of course, attacking you know federal buildings can't be considered terrorism when it's BLM. Wait, the problem? The he, prob- he's defending. He's like, the problem is, is not Antifa. He was like, you can't, you can't consider an attack on a federal building terrorism. That's, that's so. It's like, okay, interesting. That's inversion. That's a very that's interesting an, take. That's an interesting. Let's, take. let's carry that on. And he's being facetious, being like, well, why don't we round up Antifa as terrorists? Huh? Well, if you were serious about that, I'd say it's not a bad take. But hey, it's not a bad take. Yeah, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I think that's a pretty worthy one, so I need to blow it up. Okay. I need to take – I need – there's been a – Ruben's on a losing streak. We, her career is on the line. Mm-hmm. I need to set the tone. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's reacting to the death of Donald Rumsfeld. Now, the important part is to remember who Jennifer Rubin has been throughout her life. Here's her tweet. 337 – roughly an hour after the announcement of Donald Rumsfeld's passing away. How many careers went up in smoke with the Iraq war? Her own, <laughs> literally her own. Oh wow! Literally her own career. Has Jen Rubin met Jen Rubin? <laughs> There's never been a bigger advocate for the Iraq war. There's literally never, ever in the history of journalists ever been a bigger advocate for the Iraq war than Jen Rubin. I can't believe that's real. It is fucking completely real, dude. Just fucking give him the round. It's completely real. You know, I... It... It's round one to Ruben. That is insane. That stands on its own. It requires no commentary. For our listeners who aren't familiar with who Jen Ruben is, I don't know how that would be possible. Go ahead and Google her. In Iraq. And then in Iraq. And and then think about what it takes, the stones it takes. I really think she's probably the all time number one advocate for the Iraq war. I think all time. Unquestionably. All time number one. Unquestionably. There's no question about it. That is so she fucking wild. came to play. I'm telling you, she's bringing heat. <laughs> That's why I petitioned. All right, I'm going to have to switch this up. And that one just came in the last hour. Well, Holmes has to go first here in round two. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to switch this up. All right, let's see this. <laughs> okay, let's go for the fucking kill shot here. <laughs> <laughs> this is June 30, 258. She had a hot day. Hot day. 
Um, if you feel rattled and unsteady, you may be consuming too much social media. Your ongoing anxiety may also be the reaction to a Republican Party that has adopted hysteria, crisis manufacturing, lying, and scare tactics as its default. Is someone else managing her account? Has this person met Jen Rubin? I can't. I can't. I literally couldn't spit it out. If you want to reread, I didn't completely understand. It was very difficult for me to actually read that. So I'm going to try to kung fu this. Like, uh, you know, Ruben is typically who you think of, like the brainworm cat lady. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to play to that. It's the Tom Nichols kung fuing of that. June 25th, Tom Nichols. The cat and I just had Russian ice cream together, and that's how my night has been going. And that's not really so bad. Maybe it's like someone took over Ruben's account and Ruben took over Nichols. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. I'll reread this. Oh, this is apropos of nothing. He's not Actually, he just said this, dude. Russian ice cream. The cat and I just had Russian ice cream together. And that's how my night has been going. And that's not really so bad. I mean, it's crazy, but I think we're looking at a walk-off. This lady, this lady, and I got four more like it. This lady, she decided she is not going to be denied. This is insane. She's. Can I read it again? Because I couldn't yeah, barely, it was, barely it was, spit it was mild. It out. I expected better. But Re- oh, yeah, read let's it hear it again. If you feel rattled and unsteady, you may be consuming too much social media. Can I? Okay. Your ongoing anxiety may also be the reaction to the Republican Party that has adopted hysteria, crisis manufacturing, lying, and scare tactics as its default. (laughs) And then you got an image of Tom Nichols curled up with his cat to a bowl of Russian ice cream. Look, I get it. It's it's incredibly (laughs) sad. And why he would share that beyond me. That's sort of his brand when he isn't making fun of poor people. (laughs) But, I mean... uh, it's a walk off. It's a walk-off. it's a walk off. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's I'm a just walk-off. telling you, it's not. There's nothing you could do, Smug. Jen yeah. Rubin. Yeah, it was. It's tough, man. There's nothing. She laid it all on the lines. She had the death penalty on the line, and I was confident. I'm not surprised with that sort of content that you accepted that precondition. Yeah. Can you do me a favor, though? You want me to read another one? I want you to. Can you give me rapid fire? The rest you have in the. In yeah. the chamber. The, the challenge for educators amid critical race theory backlash is how do you fight hot air? <laughs> Jeez, this lady. A reminder that in their identification with white supremacy and Christian nationalism, they're willing to slipe and dump the police. Their defense of the police is purely transactional. Now that it's inconvenient, the cops must go under the bus. She's talking about the Republican Party. <laughs> I was I was genuinely conflicted on those last two because both of them are so insane that it's impossible to sort of delineate. Like, what's the winner there? It's just untethered from any sort of reality. It's just bonkers. I can't believe this person is paid. It's like she's disassociating. That first like, the thing is that like there's I, I you know Tom brings a thunder, but after that first one, good god, yeah, the first one, dude, the Iraq War. I mean, one. that's making a statement. An hour after <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld dies. Yeah, she's talking of about... Of all people. Uh, I mean, that's like... smoke. That's like when Tyson in his prime would show up in, in, in the first round and Michael just like Spinks. go for the finish. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. 
She decided knockout time. Well, congratulations to Jen Rubin, our new new champion, a frequent champion, avoids the death penalty and king of the hill. Congratulations, yeah. Yeah. Holmes. I like it. And I appreciate the the rule that you allowed her entry. That that the death penalty is a good that's a yeah, good high risk, high reward. Yeah, high risk, high reward. You gotta be pretty ballsy to play it. I felt confident. Paid off. Well, speaking of confident, I'm confident that our folks are going to enjoy this interview. I want to hear the thoughts from Rana Let's on do how it. we're going to build a war machine, Let's win back it. the House and Senate. Let's hear that. I want to welcome to the program the chair of the Republican National Committee, Rana McDaniel. Rana, welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Josh. At long last. At long, here. long last. You're here amongst the minions. I'm in like the, what am I, episode? I don't know. I'm, I'm like in the 80s, I think. It's <laughs> taken me this long to get here. It's been worth the wait. It's okay. been worth the wait. Saving the best for last. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we hope we keep going, no, but, not you the know, last. No. but we'll see where this goes. We can all, we're always in jeopardy every episode. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I mean, for the minions who don't know Rana, she's a fun person, great sense of humor, man. It's gotta be a tough job to try to keep everybody happy after a tough election, but you seem like you're, you seem like you're doing it. You seem like you got your upbeat and having fun again. Yeah, I am. I'm really upbeat. I'm very optimistic about 2022. Uh, I know that we all have to be kind of swimming in the same direction. A good thing about me is I pretty much like everyone and that <laughs> helps. I don't really live in revenge world or anger. I don't get mad and want to, you know, hold grudges. I like everyone and I know we need everyone to win in 2022 and I feel really good and I'm really excited about what the RNC is doing. But more than anything, I'm excited watching our party fight back against what this Biden administration is doing to destroy the country. No question about it. And we definitely need everybody to do that. I'll, I'll get into that in a second. I want to start, though, yeah. with your observations about this disaster that we see playing out in New York. I know. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, first of all, and I know you guys aren't a fan of this, ranked choice voting is a disaster. Let's, yeah. let's start there. I mean, it is a tool that Democrats are implementing into the election process to try and undermine elections. We see it in Maine. They brought it into New York. And now you see this election disaster where 135,000 ballots were put in as a test. They were not removed. So it shows that there's human error. But beyond that, it shows that there are certain counties and certain cities, and New York's one of them, that do not know how to administer elections. Right. So I'm waiting for the DOJ to get involved. Instead of suing Georgia, for a law that's less restrictive than New York. How about let's go look at the New York City elections and figure out what the freak is going on there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's such a good point, right? I mean, it, it seems to only matter when we have a problem with an election result, right? Democrats, in New York, this is not new. As you mentioned, they had a problem last cycle as well. I mean, it seems like every time they count a ballot in that city in particular, it's a complete catastrophe. Well, it's beyond that, too, because Democrats are pushing for two things, right? They want us to vote earlier and earlier and earlier, but then they also want us to get the results later and later and later. And that process in and of itself creates a concern in our democracy. When you have to wait a month, two weeks, however long to get results, look at Claudia Tenney's race, how long it, did it take for her to be declared the winner in that congressional seat? That's right. It creates uh, distrust in the process. And Democrats are sowing that with election uh, policies that they're putting in place, like ranked choice voting, and also having people that don't know how to administer elections and not holding them accountable. And 
the media aids that by saying, oh, nothing ever goes wrong. And Republicans who say that are undermining democracy. Listen, there are examples of Democrat-run cities and counties in this country, Broward being one of them, Fulton County we're looking at right now, that have historic problems. Transparency is a good thing, and it helps ensure faith in the election process, not undermine it. Yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing about Democrats' position on this is after they win an election, everything went fine, right? Oh, There's yeah. nothing to see here. But as we all know, after 2016, after losing an election, holy smokes, the entire system is is broken, right? For three years. I mean, even Terry McAuliffe, who's running for uh, Virginia governor after 2020, would never declare George Bush the winner, but he's fine as the nominee. You look at Stacey Abrams, who never conceded in Georgia right. with a very large margin, by the way, that she lost by. And she's a darling of the left. So the hypocrisy is ripe, but there are serious things at stake here, which is we need to have confidence in our election process. And I'm so proud of Republican legislators across the country who are fixing problems with laws to make, strengthen them, make it easier to vote and harder to cheat, but also instill confidence in the process for voters who need that. Well, you put your finger on it. I think that's the most important part. And, and the part that's lost in the national debate over what's happening in these state legislatures is all the changes that were made to accommodate a pandemic, right? Yep. And yep. then all, all these state legislators who basically didn't have law in the books that accommodated the changes that were made had to go back and revisit. And in many cases, like the case of Georgia, actually implemented much more permissive voting policies than were on the books beforehand. And yet, here we are in some incredible accusations of Jim Crow 2.0 and everything else. I mean, it's got to be enough to exhaust you. It is. And I think it's even more upsetting to watch the media go down that path with, with Biden because they know it's divisive for our country. And listen, Josh, you and I know there is racism in this country. There's real racism. And we want to fight that. We, we Republicans and Democrats abhor that. But to, to label things racist that are not, undermines the horror of racism and you're using it as a political talking point and not as a problem you want to solve and that's what they've done with these election laws they are using racism for their political end mm -hmm. and if you look at the georgia law and actually we just did a poll i'm, I'm going to be releasing some of that next week where we go to every voter from every demographic from every party and go through that law piece by piece by piece and it has huge support up in the 80s from, from mm. a wide array of, array of voters because the media just labels it and then they don't want to tell you the truth. And they lied, like the water thing, right? In Georgia. right? Oh, you can't get water. People are going to be in line for hours. They're going to die because they're not going to get water. That's such a lie. It's such you a lie. I took that one. Campaign. The county workers can give you water. Your husband or your wife or whoever can come and bring you water at the polls if you're sitting there for a long time. It's just, they don't want you being harassed by a campaign. And they totally lied. It's yeah. just crazy. Yeah, I took that one on the chin one day. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, you're entirely right. The mischaracterization is just unbelievable. So, so where do you think this sits now? Obviously, there is a period of sort of recovery for conservatives after a tough election like 2020. But you look at all the reforms that are being made. You look at a good conversation that Republicans have had on the national level and fighting back like HR1, S1, and all the nonsense that Democrats are trying to implement. Where do you think we are in sort of restoring the base's confidence in our voting process? Maybe it's a state-by-state state issue, but it feels like we're making progress. I think we are making progress. And I think, Josh, you said it exactly right. A lot of 
uh, safeguards were removed because of COVID, right? So that first time you go get that absentee ballot in a lot of states, you would have to show up and show your voter ID in person. And those were removed because of COVID because you didn't have personnel or there were safety concerns and restoring those in place, understanding that COVID was a once in a century pandemic. And now we're getting back to the, the pre-pandemic rules back into the post-pandemic era. Those are key things on top of shoring up election laws. The RNC's in 20 lawsuits. We're fighting Democrats who really do want to diminish safeguards to our election process. But here's how we know we're winning. Stacey Abrams just went on TV. Right. Raphael Warnock just went on TV and said, we've always supported voter ID. <laughs> we've never said that. <laughs> we didn't support it. So we know we're winning the narrative when we're saying that. We know we're winning the narrative when she's on the phone with MLB telling them to move the all-star game and they do. And then a week later, she's saying, oh no, don't boycott my state. Don't boycott. So that's how you know you're winning when you get hardline, progressive, left-wing, liberal, I don't even know if they're Democrat socialists yeah. coming to the center and saying, oh yeah, I was there all along with, with the Republicans. It's, it's, it's caused a bit of whiplash. I'll be honest. Yeah. It's, it's hard to take Stacey Abrams seriously and Raphael Warnock seriously and watching that 180. But you know what? I mean, you're right. It isn't, it is evidence of us winning the debate. So I'll take it. Exactly. Um, so I worked uh, at the RNC during a midterm cycle. And what a lot of people don't know is in addition to trying to win midterm elections with everything that encompasses the party, you also kind of begin planning for conventions and things like that. How's that going? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the rules that will, the, the rules that will be used to govern the 2024 election and the convention are all going to be passed in these next two years. And for your listeners, you can't pass rules once the players are on the field, right? right. So coming out of 2022, you're going to have a lot of players probably getting into the field in the presidential race. So we need to pass those rules now and get the convention going and figure out the primary process. But one thing we've done, and I, I hope you've seen this, is we've taken a real hard line on the Commission on Presidential Debates. Yes. Um, because if we don't do this now, it will get so far down the process where they're bidding out and doing their RFPs with universities that we can't change this. And I think we owe it to Republican voters, so 74 million voters, to go to them and say, how come you started debates after a wide, wide uh, amount or a vast majority of states had started voting. You know, why wouldn't you do the first debate before any state st starts voting? Why did you change the second debate with virtual without talking to the candidates? There are so many problems. How can you say you're in a nonpartisan commission when people on your commission were openly criticizing President Trump? You should be disqualified from serving on that commission on presidential debates if you way into the public forum in any way and show bias. So these are reasonable things that we're putting on them. They should have term limits. They need more transparency because if we're going to actually move away from them, we need to start planning that now. Oh, I completely agree. And that is a, a, just an excellent place to weigh in. I mean, that's how you end up with guys like John Harwood moderating Republican debates, which of course his perspective has absolutely nothing to do with any primary voter or why they would vote in the first place, right? Exactly, or Steve Scully. I mean, right. who worked for Joe Biden. Right. You picked him up I mean, these are not, this isn't crazy stuff that we're saying. No. How about don't pick a moderator who worked for one of the candidates? <laughs> Pretty simple. Simple. Simple stuff, right? Okay, Josh. I mean, this is not rocket science. It doesn't make a genius. So the RNC is pushing on this right now. We are looking at the rules. 
and, and how we're going to govern these primaries. But I think the most important massive change that would take place is this commission on presidential debates and where do we go if we do decide to to separate from them and will the DNC go with us? Um, yeah. But we want to put our candidate in the best place to win. And a lot of that's starting right now. So, what, I mean, one of the challenges, and I remember this from our own experience, is implementing all of these rules and then, and then trying to enforce them. But we all left, right? And so yeah, I'm, yeah. Cur- I'm curious about you've done both a midterm and a presidential. You're doing another midterm. We're all super excited about it. Does that mean that you ultimately maybe want to implement this in 2024 as well? Oh, you are bad. I thought I you know. were my friend. Well, I, I'm just like, <laughs> I, I'm asking as a, as a party person who kind of- I, I can job. only think two year, my life lives in two year increments. Yeah, so right enough. now, let's just get through the midterms. You know, I think about Nancy Pelosi and retiring Nancy Pelosi every day mm-hmm. and five seats away from that. And the RNC in the midterms is more instrumental because less voters turn out in the midterms. And so that ground game that we build to turn out the vote is so, so important. And that's why we just opened an office in Young Kim's different di- district in, in Little Saigon in a Vietnamese community. It's earlier than ever that we've done this type of engagement in traditionally um, Democrat communities and trying to bring them into the Republican party. We're seeing huge gains mm. with the Asian, Hispanic and African-American voters. And that's because of a long-term investment from the RNC talking about our party, but also listening to the communities about how we can govern better and how we can be more involved in these communities in a meaningful way as a party. It also has to be some, your success at some point has to be a result of this sort of liberal, white, progressive, coastal elite that are sort of appropriating their left-wing agenda to like every minority group in the country. I got to imagine what you're finding is an awful lot of folks just don't believe in anything that they're saying. They're insulted by it. And and I live in a predominantly, and I've given this anecdote, in a predominantly Indian American community in Michigan. And my neighbor had me over for his wife's 50th birthday party the other day. And people came up to me and said, I've been a Democrat forever. And now I'm, I'm becoming a Republican. And one of them said, I came to this country with $25 in my pocket. I lived the American dream. I worked hard. I believe in this country. This is not a racist country. Do never, never tell me this is a racist country. It's the greatest country on earth. And I think the Democrats by destroying America and, and saying that we are a systemically awful country that we were uh, not founded on, on great things is actually uh, backfiring with them with, with immigrant communities that came here to seek the American dream and believe in that. No, that's a great point. That's a really great point. All right. So in taking a look at 2020, you guys have put a ton of plans in place for ground game and, and data, digital, everything. In doing your analysis, is there one thing that sort of rises above all else? Is something that we just significantly have to improve going into midterms to, to win? Well, I do think we need to restore confidence in our uh, mail-in voting with mm-hmm. our voters. I mean, the RNC built the biggest ground game in history to 0.6 million volunteers, but boy, did we have to work that that yeah, group because so many of our voters held their ballots until election day. And just logically, it makes it much harder to turn out your vote when you have to turn out your entire vote in one day and Democrats are banking votes a month earlier. And we literally were going after voters and we knew that we'd, we'd knocked their door eight times. They knocked their door from their neighbor, right? These aren't just from random people 
because of the organization we built and people were just like, I am not voting. So there was, it wasn't like a matter of not touching them. And so it makes it very hard to know your numbers. So we've got to restore confidence in that. I think that's a big part of this legislative push. And I'll tell you this, Josh, and I've been really tough on this. And I say this to a lot of our investors, we have to hold our consultant class accountable in Republican politics. We have a lot of consultants that walked away with millions of dollars that lost races and didn't put great ads on TV. And I'm not going to blast them out here. Um, But when you have a candidate who isn't able to communicate a message that isn't able to tell a story and isn't able to resonate and their consultant puts ads up that don't help them. And then they walk away with millions of dollars. They should, they should be held accountable. And um, I say to people, the RNC builds the road, all the cars drive on it. But not all the cars have wheels, okay? (laughs) If you're putting a bad commercial up and you can't articulate your message, I don't care how good our road is, it's a problem. A car without wheels is not very fast. And being from a political family, I mean, I, you know, you know those ads that resonate. And that's something Democrats do really well. They emote. They take pre-existing conditions, coverage being repealed and replaced by the House, and they turn it into a story. They say, this is my friend or my family member whose healthcare Republicans took away. And we need our candidates to tell stories more, to connect with those swing voters, the pocketbook voters, the voters who understand deficits and balance sheets. A lot of ways they're with us because they understand deregulation and tax code and what it means for their small business or what it means for their 401k or their pension. But we need to get those voters that are on the fence that actually care about um, people and want to hear us tell stories about the American people. I'm glad to hear you say that. One of the, the I think, probably least appreciated aspects of your tenure at the RNC is your willingness to sort of wade into the uh, operative establishment and make changes that are necessary. You're talking about the operative class in, in the storytelling regime. They love me. They love me so Yeah, well, they- <laughs> They should hate you. That's your they, they hate my guts. It's too often we've had people who, who want to be liked, you know? I know, because I don't care about them getting rich. I want our candidates to win. Yeah. And, you know, I come from, as a daughter of a Senate candidate, my mom, I worked for a DC firm in, in DC, and I loved that firm. They were great. But I remember my mom being like, we're not listening to you right now. We're going to write our own ad. My grandma and my mom sat at the kitchen table and wrote their own ad for her Senate race. And it was one of the ads that put them over the top to my mom getting the nomination. And DC DC consultant doesn't consulting doesn't always resonate at the state level. And that's one of the things I believe in as RNC chair. We can't run one size fits all races. We have to talk to that local community, micro target, and actually personalize and customize elections to the voter. And yeah. that's what I think we need to do more as a party and as a consultant class. Well, the another thing you did last cycle um, that a lot of people were invested in and, and you helped lead the charge was was win red, right? Yeah. Which, you know, for all of us listening who just sort of are on the transaction side of this, uh, what you should appreciate is the fact that when these systems are built, they're protected by people who make money off of them. And what you did and what a lot of other people contributed to, including President Trump and his team, was breaking that system and creating a platform for Republican contributors that they could have confidence in, would get to the candidates and everything else. That seems to be going pretty well. It does, and, and, and you've been a big part of that too, so thanks, Josh. But listen, we were getting destroyed by Act Blue, okay? I, we were getting our butts kicked, all right? right. Let's, 
let me use some language here. <laughs> um, we were getting destroyed by Act Blue. I, the 2018 midterms, the House candidates alone were outraised by Act Blue uh, on the Democrat side by 300 million. Okay, yeah, so no. our House candidates were being outspent 10, uh, 12 to one. We can't exist in that. So we needed a small dollar online fundraising platform. Everybody came together, the whole Republican ecosystem, NRSC, NRCC, RNC, President Trump was key in this, getting this platform put together. And here's the other byproduct of that is one first in its first 18 months, it raised 2.2 billion, which was where ActBlue was 10 years in, right? right? But the second is that's really overlooked is because we were all on one platform, we couldn't be deplatformed. Right. There is a effort by big tech, by corporate woke community to deplatform Republicans. And if they can pick us off one by one, they will. But there is strength in us being together on platforms and they can't deplatform the entire party. And they would have if they could. That's Let me just say something. Point. People don't understand. So when read in a lot of ways was at the right time in the right place, because we are still dealing with issues that many people don't even understand to the level of deplatforming through so many uh, big tech areas. We're, we're working on it. We're not going to broadcast how we're working on it because we're just going to fix it. But those are huge issues that our party faces as the country becomes more woke, I guess is the word. Ron is always the duck on the pond, appearing very calm on top with the legs moving crazy <laughs> underneath it. That's just awesome. I've got three big questions for oh, you. Oh, yeah. These are the I big ones. Three. I these love the these. Three. I've been preparing for these. Oh, good, good. All right. Well, so the last meal on earth, That's that's got to be the sort of the the crown jewel here of the questions. What's your- I last? love this. And I haven't listened to anybody else's last meal because I don't want to listen to the podcast because, but I have a three-party answer. <laughs> is that terrible? Perfect. Okay, first is a, a Diet Coke from McDonald's because it's oh, the yeah. best Fountain Diet Coke ever. Okay. All right, and it's a dollar six. Second is um, a Reuben sandwich from Steve's Deli here in Michigan. I love Reuben sandwiches. I never eat them because they are terrible, but they're so good. And then my third is a carrot cake from J. Alexander's, which I don't know if that's a national chain, but they have it here in Michigan. It's best carrot cake on the planet. That is Awesome. There's total thought. You went three different places for the meal. Yeah. And you know what? Then you get a fun ride. You get to listen to some music on the way. You know, I just think it's you digest in between each segment, right? It's good, right? I love it. And the, you're right about the fountain diet coke. There's no question. And McDonald's. I don't know what it is about McDonald's. They have the special mix. There is a McDonald's Coke issue that I don't know what it is, but I totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you weren't involved in politics, obviously your family background, you know, you were immersed in this from a very young age, as you had mentioned, but if you never got involved in any of it, what would you be doing with your life? I don't know if I, um, I can answer that because I've been in politics since I was a little girl. I was like handing out school board flyers while other kids were playing soccer. I, sure. It was a very weird childhood. Um, I think right now, I honestly, because I am you know, I always use I, a mom from Michigan. We always laugh about that at the RNC, but I am a mom. I've got two kids who really suffered under this uh, pandemic, not, never going back to school five days a week in person. Whitmer is my governor. Um, oh. It's been really horrific. So I'd probably be running against her right now That's if I weren't RNC chair, because I'm so angry about what she's done. Well, um, people wanted you to do it, even despite the fact you were RNC chair. I know, well, I can't, but I, it, 
I, I, I really am mad about it. And it's very personal for me as I watch my son take Metalworks for an hour and a half virtually. I mean, what a waste of my son's time. Metalworks, think about that. Everybody process. Right. The semester before he had ceramics for an hour and a half. I mean, it was so stupid. And, but more than that, it was upsetting. It was hard to watch our kids suffer and feel like we had nowhere to go. So I'd either be running for governor or school board because what happened to our kids this, this year, especially in blue states yes. run by Democrats has been really wrong. I think there are a lot of parents, me included, who agree wholeheartedly on that. If you live in a blue state and didn't have access to anything other than virtual schooling, you can't argue that it didn't have an impact on your kids. If I could get my son on this podcast with you, he, he'd be funny to interview. Talking. <laughs> well, maybe we should do that. And he uses like words and terminology. I don't know. Like the other day he came down and was like, mom, how do you like my fit? And I'm like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> and that's outfit, by the way, Josh. Just so well, you know. I mean, we try to be pretty cool here. Maybe we could hang. You know, well, so next time, you, you know, you get on with a guest, be like, you're not seeing it, but my fit is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You got a pretty good fit going right now. Is that? I do. I got a little American flag. I love it. I love it. It's very official. (laughs) All right. Last question. This is a big one. What motivates Ronna McDaniel more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? Totally the thrill of victory. You seem like a thrill of victory person. Oh, totally. Well, one, because my family loses a lot. So (laughs) if... So victory is really sweet. Victory is like all I think about. I can't worry about the agony of defeat because, you know, that happens in my family when we run for office a lot. So and <laughs> I'm not talking just about my Uncle Mitt. My Uncle Mitt's won a lot, senator and governor. But my dad ran for attorney general. My mom ran for Senate. So we've had a lot of heartbreak at the yeah. household. Well, how you, I mean, the reason we have the, the question is because how you handle that kind of thing it's like on one hand, you're kind of the sunny optimist who just like keeps striving towards victory. And that's what motivates you. On the other, it's like the Michael Jordan type, right? Who's just completely destroyed every time that they lose anything and they just are like become. I love that question because it does make you think because, you yeah. don't, you know, everybody hates defeat and loves victory, but it is what is driving you. So I am visualizing on my vision board. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer <laughs> being retired in 2022. So I'm going to just stick with the thrill of victory. Let us all hope they experience the agony of defeat in 2022. Yes. And let's hope that that discourages them from ever being involved in politics again. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Chairwoman Rana Romney McDaniel. Thank you so much for your time. I can't, let's do this again. Can we do this throughout the cycle? It's so I fun. I love it. I'm going to come and like try and be a host with you guys. You know, do I it. started a podcast. Yeah, you got one. as fun as your guys. Like mine's more serious. Well, we can say four letter words and stuff like that. I which know. You and know. you guys have really cool merch. <laughs> we do have cool merch. We do have cool merch. We'll send some your way. Do you want a t-shirt? You want to, what do you want? Yeah, a t-shirt. I would well, yeah, whatever. I'll take okay. everything. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll send some, we'll send some I over. love your merch. I think it's the coolest. I love your show. You guys are awesome. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much, Rana. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Josh. Bye-bye. Bye. So I think that you know, <clears throat> she's just such a like a light, fun, interesting person who's obviously very smart and she's been in the nuts and bolts of the party for a long time. And like she said, she's been in politics basically her entire life. 
but she's also kind of a breath of fresh air, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's just nice to get some personality around what is a very serious job. Totally. With a very serious goal. We got to flip the House. We got to flip the Senate. And, I mean, look, I'm glad we got her there. I, I thought in particular what she said about mail-in voting and educating our people yeah, that is was extremely, good. extremely important. That was good. That was that was really important. And, she, you know, look, she takes a absolutely analytical view at a lot of this stuff. It's not, you know, this is not a— a, a ideological exercise it's about winning it's nuts and bolts it's putting votes in the bank and it goes back to the point i made earlier about georgia and putting some integrity back into the system you know with you know voter id chain of custody on the ballots um you know drop boxes that are monitored yeah things like that that build people's confidence in a system yeah no question about it, and I'm I'm happy she's there because I think she's doing a whale of a job. And like we said, we got to focus on winning. And speaking of winning, don't forget, folks, the first Ruthless Live taking place mid-August, Iowa State Fair. Let's go. Be Let's there. Let's go. Let's go. It's going to be huge. And uh, another banger of an episode. Gentlemen, outstanding job. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.